0: It's time for I Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly.
1: Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk, beginning a long day of Illinois sporting activity here on News Talk 1400. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you, and we're with you until 1045 this morning, off a little bit early for fighting Illini women's basketball at that time. They're playing down in Daytona, Florida, against Middle Tennessee State, so they'll have the pregame show for you at 1045. Otherwise, we've got uh, an open line and several guests uh, planned. My favorite turkey is in the house, Mr. <laughs> Warren Tate. Thank you. Did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The best kind.
1: That's right. Uh, hanging with the family and the uh, Always a good time to do that. 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to uh, join us here on Illini Pelos Saturday Sports Talk. Basketball to talk about, football to talk about, the final regular season game for the Fighting Illini today, the battle for the Land of Lincoln Trophy against the Northwestern Wildcats. That game will kick about 235 at Memorial Stadium. We'll talk about that as we move along. Uh, Dave Ennett is one of our guests, the play-by-play voice of the Wildcats. He'll be with us at 9.30. Will Leach will join us about 9.10. Jay Lehman at 9.45. Dave Kaplan at 10 o'clock. Mike Gagley from com will be with us in the studio about 10.15 or so this morning. Did you enjoy that basketball game last night?
2: Well, you're talking about the Illinois game, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, I got home in time to see the second half of, of uh, Duke and Gonzaga. A great win for Duke. Great, uh, Just a great game, the part I saw. Uh, Illinois defensively was very uh concerning let's put it that way when you got three starters out i don't know how you can judge a team with three starters out, which is what they had. Granison was sick and and uh not quite sure what's going on with curbello with his neck or his you know he had a concussion previously and and then of course the the knee is is a problem for Trent Fraser, who was walking around I thought with a little bit of a gimp i it looks to me like Oh, I can't guess, but it's he's I don't see how he can be ready for Notre Dame on Monday. That's a that's a big game for Illinois and they're gonna be short handed, Steve.
1: They are, and uh, they're probably gonna be out of the top twenty five too. Not oh, that well, that yeah, really I mean, matters. No uh, question. But uh in defense is certainly a, an issue and a concern. Yeah, and it because was they more, were so good at that last One of those
2: lopsided games where Illinois won because Plummer hit his threes, and, and they couldn't stop Kofi, and we had two guys over 30. Kofi hit 15 out of 19 shots, 38 points, made most of his free throws. He's, he's an improved player this year, but uh, this was a team that was small and quick, and we you know Illinois couldn't guard them uh, on the defensive end because of that quickness. They, they got in, they beat Illinois off the dribble repeatedly, and this was something that uh, Underwood spoke to after the game about the fact that you know, that, that we couldn't guard the ball. We couldn't, couldn't stop the dribble. And uh, on the other end, they couldn't stop Kofi.
1: you have any comments on the game, feel free to give us a call. Next up is Notre Dame coming up on Monday night. And then um, next Friday night's first Big Ten game with Rutgers. So two games at home this week.
2: Yeah, I know. And I, I, and I just don't know how quick Illinois can get themselves in, in, ready to play those games with, with everybody that's out. It's really tough. And certainly need Curbelo back as a playmaker, and we need Curbelo to be the playmaker he can be, not the not the Curbelo we've seen a couple times this year.
1: You mentioned that uh, Duke-Gonzaga game uh, late out in Las Vegas. Duke won at 84-81. The Yolani game was a 94-85 win for uh, Illinois over University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Nice That's crowd. That's the Pan American. Yes. Uh, Purdue beat uh, Nebraska-Omaha 97-40. LSU beat Penn State 68-63. Kansas lost on a last second shot to Dayton, a team that uh, had lost <laughs> 3 games already itself.
2: That's right. They're just 3 and 3 for the season, but that shot was uh, was an unbelievable uh, it's unbelievable that he was able to make it because he was running sideways to the basket about 13 feet out with 1 second on the clock when he had to, had to throw it up over a defender, a tall defender who was jumping at him and the ball hit the front of the rim and hit the backboard and went
1: in. Yeah, they had the previous shot blocked and rejected yeah, and he dug it yeah. out of the corner and uh yeah. put one up and it bounced around and went in. So uh Kansas goes down, Gonzaga goes down later. Michigan State went down yesterday as well to yep. Baylor. Michigan Baylor State looks good again, don't Baylor they? Baylor took him apart. Yeah, that was not close. So a lot uh, a lot going on there. We'll let you know about some of the games on the schedule today. A full Big Ten schedule gets underway at 11 o'clock with the game Ohio State and Michigan. Is this the year that Michigan can get the Buckeyes?
2: Well, <laughs> some people think so. I heard a I heard that one of the reporters on on TV this morning uh, predicted, but uh, I would have to go with Ohio State. I think they just got too much in the in the passing game.
1: I agree. Iowa with a nice come from behind win again uh, yesterday. Iowa doing what know Iowa know I,
2: does. I did Iowa win it or did <laughs> did Nebraska lose it again? Well, a little bit. of I both. mean, they had a twenty one six lead, and that, did you see how uh, how Iowa got to twenty one points? They had four field goals, a block kick. And a safety, <laughs> and it came out twenty-one. It was twenty-one all. Yeah, and then they scored the winning by, uh, touchdown to win it.
1: 28-21 the final. Iowa ten and two on the season, seven and two in the Big Ten. They win a share of the Western Division title. We'll have to see what happens today with uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Nebraska three and nine, and one and eight. In the Big Ten,
2: yeah, they outscored was Northwestern by 49 points, and they were outscored by 49 points. They they wound up with the same number of points as their opponents okay. in the Big Ten, and won one game. They
1: had net zero in, in <laughs> points, and and what they, they they're setting records for close losses, one I possession know, yeah, losses. Yeah. High school state championship games continue up at DeKalb. Yesterday's results, if you missed them, in one A, Lena Winslow beat Carlton 38-25. 2A Wilmington wrapped up a perfect season with a 30 uh, rather a 24 to 7 win over Nashville. Delo Unity playing in that state championship game for a sixth time lost to Byron 35 to 7. So Unity finishes 13 and 1, Byron at 14 and 0. In the uh, game last night, Joliet Catholic finishes a 14 and 0 season 56 to 27 over Springfield Sacred Heart Griffin. Jordan Anderson Illini signee, 306 yards rushing, and four touchdowns.
2: Well, he must have been terrific. I mean, I, that's all we've been hearing about this morning, how how he ran the ball over 30 times and for over 300 yards, and that's the kind of running back Illinois needs. And then also Malachi, I, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, sounded like he played a good game defensively too.
1: Yeah, Malachi Hood, the other oh, four that's games. Game. That's right, Malachi Hood, excuse yeah. me. Mm-hmm. The uh, other four games, five, six, seven, and 8A games are scheduled today. The uh, first game will get underway at 10 o'clock. We mentioned the Iowa-Nebraska football score. We'll talk about the other Big Ten games today. Illinois volleyball wrapped up the regular season with a, a uh, 3 nothing win at Michigan State. So they finish at 20 and 11, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten. And they'll wait to see what uh, the NCAA tournament has in store for them. When uh, those invitations go out uh, tomorrow night. We'll take our first time out at 9.08. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Back with you after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Just getting rolling this morning. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until... this morning, a little bit uh, short of our usual 11 o'clock time. Illinois women's basketball at that time. They're playing down in Florida. Of course, Illinois football this afternoon in the Land of Lincoln Trophy game against Northwestern at Memorial Stadium. Kickoff is set for 2.35. Say good morning to our friend Will Leach with us this morning. Happy uh, belated Thanksgiving, Will. How are you doing today?
3: I'm very well. Best to you and yours. Thanks for having me as always. It's been a glorious Thanksgiving. I am at, uh, at my annual tradition of being, the, being at the Georgia Georgia Tech football game, so we're heading in there after this today, and then we'll be out in time. Because of a non-noon start, a non-11 a.m. start, I'll actually be able to watch the Illini game today, which will be nice.
1: Where is that Georgia game? Is it there in Athens?
3: No, it's in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta today, so it's a Bobby Dodd, so, uh, so, which is to say there's Ninety percent Georgia fans, rather than a hundred percent Georgia fans, would be if it were in
1: Athens. <laughs> so, what's the what's the take on Georgia? Everybody uh, certainly is on that bandwagon right now, and you've seen them more than uh, certainly we have. Are they as good? Is that defense as good as it appears to be?
3: That defense is definitely no joke. I think that uh, it's, and I think one of the things that's interesting about their defense too, they have a lot of super seniors. I think that's kind of like lost a little bit because Georgia recruits so well. There's this idea that they're just like this wall of depth and all this stuff. A lot of these guys are guys that came back because of the pandemic year to kind of put put together this great defense. Their offense, uh, they're obviously good on offense. I still, I think there's reason to be concerned about the former walk-on quarterback that they lost to Alabama last year. It's the one they're they're trusting in to move forward. But uh, uh, the way, the way uh, right now I have to say uh, for a lot of this year, it felt like Georgia was clearly the best team and no one was challenging them. Ohio State certainly looks to be doing that right now. So uh, I think that there's a lot of concern about that. A lot of people will be rooting for Michigan, I'll put it that way, (laughs) uh, this morning uh, in that game.
1: What uh, what do you think is going to happen in that Ohio State-Michigan game today? That's an 11 o'clock game up in Ann Arbor. You
3: know, I I feel weird saying this aloud, but I actually do feel a little bad for Harbaugh. (laughs) That's a weird (laughs) thing to say, which is that he went through all that last year and finally – Like it's it's funny. I have friends that are Michigan fans, and they're like, "Wow, he's gonna blow it against Ohio State again, and then we're gonna need a new coach." Like you're ten and (laughs) one; they were two and four last year. Like this has really been kind of a remarkable year for Michigan in every way. It's just kind of their misfortune to be playing Ohio State team that looks incredibly hot right now. I think Michigan's good. I think it's a closer game than I think. People have given it it credit for but I don't know. The way Ohio State's rolling right now, their offense looks as good as Georgia's defense uh, right now. What they did to Michigan State was uh, uh, upsetting (laughs) to watch. So uh, I I think Ohio State's probably in pretty good shape in that game. But it'd be nice to see, you know, this is – I feel like I'm glad to see that game at last, particularly after a year where they didn't have it. Uh, I, I feel that it's pretty great to see that game have the stature that it probably deserves.
2: Well, Will, this is Lauren. I'm going to bring you back to Champaign here and, and see, tell us what's yes. the Illini play in Northwestern. They can't seem to beat the, the Wildcats. Uh, this is a, a, a little different situation this year with, with, obviously, Northwestern's down. They haven't beaten anybody other than Rutgers in the Big Ten. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game?
3: Yeah, you know, you would certainly think, particularly with the way Northwestern has not just been playing on defense, which I think, I mean, this really feels like a game where Illinois should be able to run the ball a ton. Uh, this is a uh, Northwestern usually has a good defense and a weak offense, and this year they just their defense has finally caught up with their offense, and they're generally weak on both sides. But this game, man, this game is uh, frustrating. It can be uh, can get in your way a, a little bit. We've seen Illinois teams that I think were clearly better lose uh, in this spot. So I feel like there's. It's kind of remarkable how much of this season, like I feel like if Illinois wins, you know, there's some talk about whether or not they get sneak in a bowl if there's not enough six win teams. That'd be great and all, but to me, a five win season, uh, particularly when you when you take a look back at it, like. I, I think uh, Robert Rosenthal at uh, Line Board kind of broke this down yesterday. The idea that if Illinois just would have had a league average schedule, they would average like seven wins. Like they played UTSA in Virginia in non-conference games. If they played like an Akron or someone like that, we're already in a bowl. So you know, in, in <laughs> yep. a lot of ways, I think that, I, I think that uh, there is uh, – I think this is this has been a pretty uh, successful season, one way or the other. But it won't feel that way if you lose to Northwestern, uh, on a, a bad Northwestern team at home uh, in the last game of the year. Well,
2: it seems like a, kind of an excuse to me that you know that uh, we always seem to catch teams when they're like we caught South Florida when when you know, right coming off a, a perfect <laughs> season, and then we catch UTSA and they're still undefeated. <laughs> I guess I guess they are. Have they played this weekend? I I, I guess they, maybe they got a game today. I don't know. But uh, I haven't followed them yeah, other than it, to see it, they keep winning.
3: Yeah, it's almost the equivalent of when uh, Illinois had some uh, rough basketball teams. We'd be like, wow, what a coincidence that everyone's <laughs> so well three-pointers against us, right? Like, like oh, just our bad luck. I think there's something to that. But, listen, you know, I know that they've changed. You know, that they're, they've been more aggressive to have to do uh, – Uh, like Power 5 scheduling, and that's great. But, yeah, it is unfortunate. Uh, uh, When they scheduled that UTSA game, I doubt they had any fathom that they would be in the top 15 at the end of the year. So uh, certainly that's unfortunate. But uh, I think, you know, to me, I just feel like you'd like to close off this year with – which I, I honestly do consider has been a positive year. I, I think Illinois is an average football team. And man, that is an improvement. <laughs> that is a great, and that's a great start, I think, for something and, and for assistance kind of being set in place. You'd like to finish it off, bowl game or not. Maybe they'll sneak into one and maybe they won't. But one way or the other, you'd like to finish it off. There's a lot of good feeling, and a lot of reason to feel positive about Illinois football right now uh, moving forward. But you'd like to, to go into the off season, or potentially a, a lower tier bowl game, and uh, feel pretty good about it, uh, with a win today.
2: Well, Will, you're our expert on baseball, and December first is just around the corner. What's going to happen with baseball?
3: Yeah, nobody panic. The lockout is coming this week. It's going to come. It's going to come uh, in the middle of the week. I think the the it's eleven fifty nine on December first. So make sure you stay up uh to see the lockout happen but i think that's when the lockout's going to happen i think it's going to scare people a little bit understandably you know uh major league baseball has not had a work stoppage in 26 in 27 years right which is uh, which is really kind of remarkable every other league has had a work stoppage at that time now that work stoppage was so terrible <laughs> that it is reasonable that people would still be scared i'm still scared i still cannot believe they canceled the world series it's one of the worst things that's happened in my sports lifetime I do think that the lockout, however, certainly they're they're far they're they're a far apart in some issues. I think the larger problem is they're not even sure. Like they don't they don't, the two sides don't really trust each other very much, and so they haven't even quite agreed yet on what they disagree on. <laughs> well, <laughs> think, well, what's, what's the like main it? issue? Uh, <laughs> the main issue. A lot. I, listen, there, there's a lot of complicated, smaller parts of the issue, but the larger issue in a macro sense is. Uh, players have lost, they're, they're getting a lower percentage of revenue than they used to for a variety of reasons. And even with that, they're just kind of guessing, right? Like the, the NBA, for example, because they share profits with the players, we know the books, right? We know how much money those teams are making. We know how much money the players can get. We don't know that in Major League Baseball. You know, they, baseball does not, teams do not release their finances, and even when they do, they, they don't count things like Ballpark Village, for example, or the, or yeah. the area around Wrigley Field. So I think that, that the major issues are, listen, there's a lot of money around baseball right now. I think there's this idea that baseball is somehow struggling or a lost its moment. It is the second most profitable sport in this country by a pretty wide margin. Like, it's baseball is making a lot of money, there's a lot of money to go around, which is why I feel... Generally optimistic. There's two reasons I feel optimistic that we're not going to lose games. Because to me, I don't really care. Like they're not playing baseball next week anyway. Go ahead and lock them out. Oh no, there's no baseball going on right now. The tre- the reason they're doing the two reasons I feel optimistic. One, there again, there's just so much money to work out. It's not like that hockey lockout where they, if there was there was a financially depressed time and players were underpaid and they were really kind of stuck in the corners. This is really a matter of sharing a pretty big pie. You just they can't figure out exactly how big the pie is. Well, the second reason is the lockout. The second reason, lockout itself, like this is a it is a good idea to do the, the lockout. I know it sounds scary to the lockout. When you do the lockout, what that means is a strike might not happen until right before the season starts, and negotiations doesn't really start until then. A yeah. lockout gets them to the table next week, and I think that's a good sign, and it gives them some time to work it out. If it's possible to work it out, they've got enough time to do it.
2: Well, how did they figure in the tremendous values uh, that, that have gone up on teams, on the worth of teams, that were once, oh. you know, several million, and all of a sudden they're worth a billion or two? How, how do they figure that?
3: It is. Yeah, well, the uh, owners just pretend that's not true. <laughs> it's kind of what they do. Because, like, it's funny how owners, like, you, listen, the pandemic was rough, obviously, on sports, and and owners did not make as much money as they usually did. It is, uh, you know, and the owners are always crying poor, and then they're selling their team for three or four times what they paid for them. So, uh, at least, right? So, I think the idea, you know, I think that's something that frustrates players, too, is because they don't have full access to the owners' books, A lot of times players will like, well, you know, first off, we don't believe you when you say you're not losing any money. And second off, we can prove it because when you sell your teams, you sell it for billions of dollars uh, and and so much more than what you paid for it. So I think that's an issue. And again, I think that's the largest issue they're going to have to overcome. Players just like baseball generally has been kind of shady about its books. They're not transparent about how much money they make or how much again, like a lot like even with what we saw at the World Series that battery project outside of, uh, out of Atlanta where all the fans were going great. That was really exciting. That is officially owned by the Braves, but they don't consider that part of team revenues. I think it's quite reasonable for players to be like, you should consider that part of team revenues, and we should get a portion of it. And I think that's really what they're fighting about, just the percentage of revenue that players get. It's just consistently gone down over the last 10 or 15 years. So,
1: but the problem is, again,
3: they don't know. Players want a bigger piece of the pie. No one can agree how big the pie is, and that that makes it hard, to.
1: Talking to Will Leach, we do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's take a call. Eric, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
0: Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I'm kind of big on what words mean, and I don't like the term work stoppage. Uh, You know, when you have a union, you know, professionals like carpenters, plumbers, electricians, you know, steam fitters, you know, you 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 compete to you negotiate for a working wage and other benefits. And I think we're long past that. So find another descriptive term than work stops because it, it insults any working man out there. And they're gonna and they're going to learn to regret it if they pull this crap again. That's all I got to tell you. Your thoughts? Go ahead, Will.
3: I I, cert, I certainly agree. With the idea that if they, if they mess this up like they did in 1994, it, uh, it's difficult to overstate how catastrophic it will be for the game. I think one of the reasons that the lockout is happening now is everybody, both players and owners, understand how disastrous a 1994-like mess would be. Like baseball... Some people, you can make an argument, it never recovered from uh, from 1994. I think you know if you look at the way baseball the baseball was covered in the early 90s and late 80s, as opposed to the way the NFL was covered during that time, baseball was widely considered, if not uh, as popular, the more popular sport. That stopped. What's the, the, league the, uh, the league minimum? The uh, league minimum for for players.
0: Yes, when they the win the
3: uh, right now i believe it is at 250,000 i think 250,000 is the is the league minimum for players but i think it's up from what it's been in the past i think one of the things the players are going to fight for is actually to get that up and i understand that that obviously is a lot of money and it feels like it's more money than i make <laughs> like i get it like it's, a, it's it is a lot of money i would also argue that like the the, play, the, the 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 there's a certain level when it comes to the owners like the owners like that money is revenue. Like I think there's this idea that I agree in a perfect world that teachers and pipe fitters and everyone else would make more money than baseball players. I think we all agree. I personally think writers should make more money than baseball players, but not well, everybody agree agrees with on me on that one. one. <laughs> I agree with you on
0: that one also. But don't, Thank you. Don't, but but tr- maybe try not to to promote it then, because calling it a work stoppage is, is an insult. Maybe you can find yourself another term. Be be an industry I'm, 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 in sports writing and and. And maybe give a wake up call out there to these guys.
3: Okay, I'd love to see that too. It is worth noting the players would argue right now they are ready to go back to work right now, right? Like the, that the, the lockout, the advantage of the lockout is it gets negotiations going. The disadvantage of the lockout is that the players are like, Who, who said we were going to strike? They probably would strike if they were not a lockout. But players right now would argue, Hey, we're ready to go to work right now. That puts the, I think, a lot of this is going to be played in the court of a public, public, public opinion. This always happens with I Labor Disputes. Both sides, you're going to see now. a ton of. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your call. And I, I do think that there, this always happens. You're going to get both sides. You're going to get Rob Manfred, which is another thing to remember, by the way. Rob Manfred is commissioner of baseball. But I think that, like, we have this old Bart Giamatti idea idea that the commissioner of baseball is the representative of baseball and, like, the one that has baseball's best altruistic interests in mind. It's partly that, but, like, Rob Manfred represents the owners. Like, he is the negotiating partner for the owners. Tony Clark is the head of the union. He's the negotiating pl- pl- uh, partner for the union. It's important to keep that in mind. When you get updates on the negotiation for Mom- Rob Manfred, that is coming from the owner's perspective, and there are two sides to all of this. It's definitely worth keeping in mind, because both sides are going to be trying to work the refs, which is to say, us.
2: Is it, am I correct that there can be no trades after the December 1st, as long as it's in the so-called lockout stage?
3: Correct. There will be no trades. No, for, uh, everything will freeze. The hub so, will freeze. So this so, uh, could go right up to the be beginning question. of the season. Without question, I, I think they obviously won't want to. I think it's also part of the reason you're seeing a lot of deals being made right now. The Mets signed like three guys last night. <laughs> like you're seeing, like a lot of moves, because uh, uh, everybody understands that this is all going to shut down on Wednesday. So you're seeing a lot. Of moves. You're seeing a lot. I, I don't think you're going to see any of the big names. I would be surprised if Correa or Scherzer or any of the really top guys signed before Wednesday. They're going to wait to see what kind of structure shakes out of this. But I think those middle-tier guys like we're seeing now, I think they're going to rush to make moves while they can. Because, yeah, there, there's no – like, for I write for MLB.com. We're not actually missing – like, they, you will not see mention of, like, active players. Like, we, we won't be writing a piece about um, uh, Max Scherzer. Who's, who's going to sign him after Wednesday? Like it is a like everything shuts down on Wednesday. You'll see a lot of historical pieces on the site on MLB coming Wednesday because uh, everything shuts down on Wednesday.
2: But can, would you see agents could still work with agents? Is is that right or not? I mean, you they think there be, be like, behind the scene?
3: I'm sure there will always be behind the scenes stuff. But one of the issues though is that like for this to get settled they're trying to kind of rewrite the financial structure of the game. It's possible that the rules that they're playing under now, whether it's a luxury tax or the minimum tax could change or arbitration. Those could all change by the time the next start, the, the season starts. So that's another reason I don't, I think why you won't see Carlos Correa, those big guys sign because they don't know what the structure is yet. They don't, that that could change in negotiation. So if you're going to see the middle people by Wednesday, but then I don't think that uh, get once Wednesday, I hope you're enjoying the hot stove because it'll stop <laughs> once, once the lockout happens. So enjoy it while you can.
1: Well this is another one of those battles that, that the average fan doesn't know who to root for, the, <laughs> the the players or the owners. It's
3: interesting because you know I I personally I generally think in 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 the macro sense uh, sympathies should generally lie with the players on these things. If just because it's such a competitive field on one hand, yes, wow, players making, uh, these players make tens of of dollars to play baseball, which is true. These owners play, make tens of billions of dollars not to play baseball. So like, at a certain level, I think that, uh, uh, the, the notion that, uh, uh, that players somehow they're making all this money playing, playing a game. That's true. Also an incredibly competitive game that everybody in the world wants those jobs. And they have to they have to perform every single day. To... St- On the other hand. I am on the player side, but more important, I want baseball to happen. At <laughs> a certain level, my sympathy for the players goes up to the point until games are going to get canceled, and then I just want them to figure out. <laughs> and I think that I think that's a reason. I think that's where most people are. It's hey, you're both making more money than I am, so why can't you figure that out? And I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at it.
1: Squeeze in one more call for Will Leach. Go ahead, caller, you're on the air.
3: Yeah, this is Rob.
4: Uh, I just finished your book, Will, and are you going to turn that
5: into a movie? Have you sold the right?
3: Oh, wow, Well, If you're asking me to promote in this holiday season my new novel, how lucky? Far <laughs> be it for me to stand in your way. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, we are we are actually shopping it around uh, to people right now. We've had some interest. Uh, it's kind of exciting uh, stuff. I'm, I am so I am uh, I am knee deep in working on the next book right now that is coming out at the beginning of 2023. 20, so I'm very busy on that one. But uh, apparently, my, my people are shopping the book uh, shopping the book right now. And I think it, I'm hopeful for it. But yes, the book as as this handsome, wonderful, and terrific caller just mentioned uh, the book. <laughs> How lucky is uh, is it is bookstores everywhere? It uh, is available on Amazon. And, uh, I say, th- I, uh, did you like it, or did you just Turn think it right sounded up. like a good movie, but you hated it?
6: Well, I really enjoyed enjoyed
1: it. it. Oh, good. Good. Thank you.
3: Yeah,
6: it it was good. Thank you very much.
1: Yep. Rob, thanks for the call. Will, thanks for your thank time. You
3: for the call, Rob.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, that, that was not your cousin, Rob. <laughs> that was not my cousin, Rob. And also,
3: I'd like to thank you two for not asking me about the basketball game last night. That was that made, I, I, That was more of a post Thanksgiving sweat that I was expecting last yeah. night. That Illinois game. So thank you for not asking me about that. Well,
1: they've got a little tougher test coming up Monday night against Notre Dame, and then the Big Ten season starts with a game uh, next week against Rutgers.
2: You gotta get some players back. Three gonna, three chargers were out last night.
3: Yeah, it's uh that 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 is, that is that did not go well and it will go a lot will go a lot worse uh, if it happens to get started in.
1: Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for your time. Always good to catch up
2: with you and we'll do it again soon. Thanks for the baseball talk. I think we need to be, all the explanation we can
1: get on that one.
3: Thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, just don't freak out when it happens this week. It'll happen, it'll be okay. Thanks, Have a great will. holiday everybody.
1: You too. Will leach with this as he gets ready to go to the Georgia-Georgia Tech football game. University of Illinois graduate, Will Leach, native of Mattoon. It is 9.31. We'll take a break and have more Illinois Pella Saturday sports talk. We'll talk about today's football game coming back. It is 9.33, and this is Illinois Pella Saturday sports talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 1045 this morning. And back with you uh, for our pregame coverage as we get closer to kickoff today. By the way, one correction on uh, the Major League Baseball minimum. Our research department uh, tells us it's $563,500. All
2: those Cardinal rookies were getting 550 or so. I yep. knew that.
1: So that's uh, just a, about three hundred. dollars uh, more than you're making this year <laughs> let's uh, talk about this football game this afternoon at memorial stadium the uh, land of lincoln trophy is on the line a trophy that uh, northwestern has hung on to for the last six years and the voice of the wildcats dave ennett is making his way to Champaign this morning and is on the line with us morning dave how are you i'm doing great steve lauren first of all
4: i have to tell you I'm very impressed. That you have a research
2: department. <laughs> that was that was uh, Steve's son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, my
1: my son visiting for the holidays sent me that text uh, just a little bit ago. So that's good to have uh, people having your back, right? Right.
6: Absolutely.
1: Let's talk about this ball game today. Northwestern's had a spell on uh, Illinois over the last ten years, winning eight of the last ten in this uh, battle for the. Uh, Land of Lincoln Trophy, the Lincoln Hat. Um, How are they getting this done? They've had some pretty good teams. This does not appear to be one of their better teams, but we've seen that story before, too, when they just seem to to really get up for this game.
4: Yeah, they do. And, you know, I remember having this conversation with Lauren many years ago about, really, it wasn't much of a rivalry because Illinois didn't look at this game as a rivalry game. um, Because they had pretty much dominated it for for a long time. And, you know, it kind of shifted in the 90s. And I, I do think that Pat Fitzgerald being an Illinois guy, as is uh, Brett Bieleb, I, I get that. But uh, I think it's something that's always been a lot to Fitz from his days as a player and his days as an assistant coach and as a head coach. And I think he's managed to pass that message on to his players and they've bought in. I think that's a a big reason uh, that northwestern's done so well in this plus i think you're right steve they've had some pretty good teams during the last decade or so and uh, even though they've struggled this year they struggled in 2019 and last time they came to Champaign and won pretty handily so i i'm very curious to see what kind of game we
2: have today yeah i'm, I'm curious to see how illinois reacts uh, you know after the tough loss that at Iowa, where, you know, they had the lead, but again, Iowa seems to always come back in these games, but I, I read an interesting article in the, uh, in the athletic just this week about how, uh, coaches around this, high school coaches around the state feel about Illinois and, and Bielema's, uh, attempts to get back in on, in state recruiting. And, and then they talked about Fitzgerald and, and they had the same things to say about Fitzgerald as they did Bielema, except that, Fitz has been doing it for a longer time. I mean, right. he he's really entrenched with the coaches in this state because he's been doing it for. And he's he's a he's a heck of a guy. Everybody knows that, and not only a good coach, but just a, a, an outstanding individual. And I think that um, the time that he has spent here makes a big difference. I think just the continuity that he has had, uh, particularly. You know, with with the coaches and 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 bringing in players in this state, do you do you are you do you recognize that as part of their success?
4: Oh, no question about it. And I read the article by uh, Matt Fortuna in the Athletic District. Right, it was a great piece. And a good point of it was that that Bielema is sort of taking the same approach. Uh, just just uh, infiltrate the high school ranks. Make sure that you get to know the coaches. Develop relationships with them, and. And, and they're responding to it. And it's something that I think fits. It's, it's who he is. It's kind of in his DNA. He's a genuine person. I think he's, he loves high school football. His son just got done playing, uh, their season ended last week in the playoffs, Loyola Academy. And he, you know, he left the Ridley Field last Saturday so he could hustle out to see his son play in the, in the playoff game. But I think that, you know, he's developed a great relationship with coaches throughout the state. And I, you know, it's it's a personal thing, too, Lauren. I mean, it's it's sending a text at the appropriate time and responding to a message and, and going in and, and checking in on those schools and on those coaches, even when they may not have a kid, the Northwestern's recruiting that particular cycle. So I think that kind of stuff carries a lot of weight, and I think his reputation yeah, kind of precedes him when he shows up at a school. Uh, the coach there kind of knows the the quality of the person he's dealing
2: with. Well, let's talk about this team. And of course, uh, both these teams are at the bottom of the Big Ten in scoring. Illinois is averaging is allowing 17 points a game, and Northwestern 16.8. Um, Northwestern at the bottom, and, and also rush defense. Northwestern is last, giving up 212. This just doesn't seem to be. Uh, uh, a, a very strong Northwestern team, at least in in, uh, in rush defense, which is the, what the Big Ten is all about, isn't it?
4: No question. And, and it's an area in which they've been very good uh, for a long time. And of course, part of that was the fact they had a linebacking core w- led by Patty Fisher. Of course, Illinois had a guy that unfortunately saw his season end early this year in Hanson, but you know, kind of those those rocks in the middle of your defense. And I think that uh, it was something they hoped they could withstand. But ultimately, you know, you, you lose guys. and it's, it's the nature of college football. Uh, lost him and Blake Gallagher, the Will linebacker. So they had the, the group they called the Irish Law Firm, Fisher Gallagher and Chris Bergen, the Sam linebacker, who was the only holdover in that group. And he's had a great year. He's leading the Big Ten, leading the nation uh, in solo tackles. Uh, but, you know, you can't have one guy doing it. And and they've had a lot of youth on their defense. And at times that, that youth has shown, I think Fitz still has confidence in, in the guys that he's brought in. But, you know, it's that's, that's for down the road. That doesn't help him much today. and hasn't helped him much over the course of the season.
1: Offensively, uh, Dave, Innet, uh, who will the line I fancy at quarterback for the Wildcats?
4: I, I think it might be Steve Kelly. <laughs> uh, it, it could be Ted Albrecht. Uh, it won't be me. Uh, no, I. You know, actually, I asked Spitz before the game last week at Wrigley Field against Purdue, I said, well, Who's your quarterback going to be? He said, I don't know. He says, We'll, we'll decide when we're you know at the start of the game but they're both going to play and i would expect that both andrew marty and ryan helinski will play today uh you know unless he decides to to throw a freshman out there you know and, and you've got the four games and he's got some some young guys who haven't played at all in that quarterback room although i Knowing Fitz and knowing how important this game is to him, I can't see him doing that today. So I think it's going to be Marty and Halinsky and uh, I, I would guess because Marty had more success moving them last week against Purdue. I, I, my guess is it would be Marty, but I, again, at this point, I think it's uh, it's kind of a game time decision.
1: As far as Northwestern uh, running the the ball, you've got a pretty outstanding running back, I think, and Evan Hall. He's got. Uh, he's knocking on the door of a thousand yards possible if he has a big day today.
4: yeah Yeah, he's Steve had a really nice season. I think the the ironic part of that is that he wouldn't have even been the starter had Cam Porter not gotten hurt in the preseason. Porter with their leading rusher last year as a true freshman, and they had high hopes for him. He really came on toward the end of last year, but pretty nice to have a guy like Evan Hull. They were able to, uh, to call on, and he's had an outstanding year. And, and where I think the big impact has come lately is he's sort of emerged as their go-to receiver for the last uh, three or four games. Uh, he's now third on the team in receiving, and that sort, of sort of happened late in the year. So I think that uh, there's no question he's a tough runner, but he's, he's shown he can break away he had a 75-yard touchdown run at Michigan. And uh, you know, I think that that he's a guy that figures into their plans for the future very brightly.
1: You've uh, obviously survived uh, the what we call crossover month of uh, November with football and basketball. How's the uh, Northwestern basketball team looking so far?
4: Better, better. I think uh, you know they had a, a nice win the other night against Georgia in the Legends Classic out in Newark, and uh, you know it's a team. It's a Pretty veteran team, and and a lot of returning players that, that I'm sure will be familiar to Illinois fans, uh, led by Pete Vance. Uh, he and Ryan Young, Boo Booey, uh, all off to really good starts with a, a mix of a couple of freshmen who look really impressive, very athletic. Uh, one of them is starting Casey Simmons, real long, athletic. Uh, guard who I think uh, a wing player who I think is going to be a real nice player for them down the road and, and so uh, you know so far so good I mean I think if you remember they started 3-0 and the Big Ten last year then had to go on the road to play Michigan and Iowa back to back and it kind of knocked them back on their heels a little bit and they they tail tailspin and had a tough time pulling out of it uh, but I think it's uh, this, this is a team which I think is Probably going to uh, to make some noise this year in the Big Ten. I don't know if you put them in the upper echelon of the league or not, but I think that uh, they certainly are in that uh, kind of that mix in the middle of the conference.
1: That's Dave Ennett from WGN, the voice of the Northwestern Wildcats, on his way to town. We appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you a little bit later on over at Memorial Stadium.
4: Sounds good. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. You bet.
1: It is 945. We'll take a break. Talk more about this ball game coming up after this. The phone lines are open if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Here on News Talk 1400, WDWS and 93.9 FM. Back after this.
6: 947,
1: Illinois Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. Lawrence Tate, Steve Kelly. Illinois football today, this afternoon at 235 Memorial Stadium against the Northwestern Wildcats, final game of the regular season, a trophy game here in uh, Trophy Week, the uh, Land of Lincoln Trophy on uh, the line for the ballgame today. Who better to talk about uh, this contest than our friend Jay Lehman, old number 47, is with us, going to be working the ballgame today. Jay, how you doing?
5: Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: This ball game, Illinois and Northwestern, and we've talked, to, you and I and Lord have talked about this probably about this time every year, how... Uh, Northwestern has dominated lately, winning eight of the last ten, and always seems to take this game pretty seriously. Uh, I'm guessing they'll do the same, uh, even though they're an underdog in this ball game today. But how do you think it plays out today? Yeah, I mean they're feisty, they're
5: pesky, right? And then I've listened to Dave in it on the, uh, you know, prior segment, and I think he gave a great little summary of the history. And obviously, you guys know the history of this. You know rivalry, but I think that's changing with Brett Bielema. I at least think it's going to be even moving forward. Um, obviously, Fitz has a head start, but I think, you know, Coach B is, has really made some good traction. And, and one thing Northwestern always had in the prior years is a really solid defense. You know, uh, they mentioned those three backers and Fisher Gallagher, and, and of course, Bergen's still around. But the last year they had two All Big Ten and one All American safety, and you know, Brandon Joseph was an All-American last year, and uh, I think Greg Newsom was a first-round draft pick. Those guys, Greg newsom has gone. Brandon Joseph isn't playing nearly as good, in my opinion, as Kirby Joseph on the other side of the football, and uh, I think it's a different defense where I think we can actually get some points, And I think our defense has been solid. We should probably have the edge today, at least on paper.
1: Yeah, I want to talk to you about the Illinois defense and how it has improved as the season has gone, long, uh, gone along. A contract extension for the coordinator, Ryan Walters, but uh, that that's really, in my uh, my point of view, that and Chase Brown on offense, the the two storylines of this team.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting about Ryan Walters is, uh, you know, it looks to me like he has a more NFL approach to, you know, defensive game planning, which means he'll write a specific game plan for a team, whether it was against, uh, you know, Talia Tungabailoa of Maryland where they dropped eight guys or against, uh, Penn State where they blitzed Tariq Barnes in the A-gap over and over to stymie the run game. Or maybe it was against Minnesota when Sidney Brown was disguising all over the field. They brought the safety down between 8 and 12 yards to stop that slant route on the RPO. We've seen different kind of game plans from him. We've also seen him move once his two inside backers went out in Calvin Hart and Jake Hansen. He was largely an even front or four down lineman. And now he's gone to an odd man front or even a bear front. Um, Odd man just means there's three down or, you know, a 3-4 defense or some people call it a 52 defense. And and sometimes even a bear front where they'll bring an outside backer, head up on the tight end, and then another backer outside of him. So they've done some different things. Uh, Certainly it's worked well for the last six or seven weeks and led to the Ryan Walters extension.
2: Well, here's the problem that I see. Illinois. Just If you go back over 50 years, there's only been one season, 1979, I believe it was, when um, I believe it was a, a year that uh, maybe, uh, if I got the year right, it was the year Kittner was a freshman and they were working in 1999. 1999, yeah. they were working, they were working him in as a uh, 79 was Molar's last right. year, yeah. And, and yeah, 90, 1998,
6: Kirk Kittner,
2: yeah, yeah, freshman year. And they have thrown for over 150 yards per game every year there except that one. When, when Kittner was a freshman, and this year they're at 148. They don't have – with the running game that they have, you would think that the passing game would be effective because the running game at times has been very good. Uh, how do you explain what's, what's wrong with our passing game?
5: Well, I wish we could figure it out for sure, but uh, here, here's my best crack at it. I, I don't think Brandon Peters uh, has been that good when he's played quarterback. That's just a matter of fact. Now, he has shown some signs of life the last couple weeks, most notably the first week against I first drive against Iowa, and the last drive against Iowa, uh, in which he engineered that got CD and garbage time. But we don't have a lot of a, uh, experience at the receiver position. Uh, I think Pat Bryant's gonna be good. I think Isaiah Williams gonna be solid. I think Deuce Spanway Learns is gonna be good. Um, the tight end position is our most veteran position, but You know, we simply seem to sabotage ourselves, if you look at the tape, when we get into passing downs or we get into a drive where we need to move the football to score a point in the fourth quarter, we we usually go backwards. And uh, it's true, you're more prone to uh, mistakes, holding penalties and whatnot, uh, interceptions when you throw the football. And I just think as an offense and a coaching staff, they don't have a lot of confidence in their passing game much more confidence in the run game. If they can stay ahead and control the clock, that's what they want to do.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, when I look at it, I I see pass protection that isn't quite as good as it should be. I see passes that are a little more erratic than they should be, and I see receivers who aren't getting as open as they should be. I think it's a combination of everything, which it always has to be, but I, I, I still go back to the fact that if you can run somewhat successfully, it should open up the pass, and yet it doesn't. That's the thing I don't. Yeah,
5: no, it, it, it definitely, it definitely should, right? And I think you know sometimes we see the benefit of that. Maybe in the quick game they used the first drive against Iowa. Maybe they were expecting the run. But I think largely when you can't, when you when, when you don't have an ability to have explosive plays through the air, you've got to minimize mistakes. Now that not that not, might not be a sexy brand of football, but it's it's in my opinion. And just watch Purdue or but watch Nebraska, the two teams in the West that that run a different style of offense than, say, the other five teams that try to do complementary football, run the ball, and play defenses. When you run a hurry-up offense, we saw it with Rod Smith, you're probably going to get two or three false start or motion penalties a game. You're probably going to get two or three holding penalties a game uh, when, you, when you're starting to throw the football because those tackles are going to be in pass protection. You're probably going to turn the ball over more as you're throwing the football more, and the quarterback's going to get sacked more. So when you decide to run the football and you t- decide to shorten the game uh, and have less chances to make mistakes, you're going to have less penalties both pre-snap and during the snap. You're probably going to have less turnovers. And if your defense can hold up, you'll have a chance in the fourth quarter. And because they haven't been able to create explosive plays to there, that's basically what they've resigned to, saying this gives us the best chance to win. And I know it's not sexy, uh, but it has put Illinois at least in the hunt in the fourth quarter for Balkans, which we couldn't say sometimes for the last two, three, four years uh, under Lovey Smith and other regimes.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, there's a complementary factor there, without any doubt. If you start throwing the ball as much as, uh, for instance, Purdue does, you're you're making yourself vulnerable in a lot of other ways with interceptions sure. and, and you know, and turnovers and that sort of thing. And the, the, and they extend the game. I mean, <laughs> every incomplete pass stops the clock, and. Sure. And Purdue but at the same time, Purdue is throwing the ball. They're averaging two hundred yards a game more than Illinois, which is fifty yards every quarter. Just think about that. Every quarter that you go out there, Purdue for the whole season, Purdue is averaging fifty more yards in the air than Illinois.
5: Well that's that's substantial. I would also probably they're probably averaging six or seven more plays. And, you know, they're not doing it with a high flying quarterback either. I think Aiden O'Connell turned down Division Three Wheaton College uh to go walk on yep. at Purdue. Now they'd have some dynamic receivers and of course David Bell, who I think could be the the Big Ten M V P if Kenneth Walker wasn't so good. And Milton Wright and Logan Payne at receiver and in Sheffield. So they've got they've got some some weapons, but it certainly isn't with a world beater and quarterback.
2: Hey, by the way, you mentioned Walker as MVP. How do you compare him with Stroud of Ohio State quarterback?
5: Well, I mean, Ohio State quarterback, it's kind of a given, right? I mean, yeah. the weapons they have. I mean, uh, who hasn't been an MVP candidate? Let's go through the list, guys. I mean, yeah. uh, Justin Fields. I mean, this is the same school that had Joe Burrow at three, at third string behind <laughs> JT Barrett. And uh, what's his name? Who's the guy? Haskins, right? Yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, yeah. So like yeah, so, so they they had Joe Burrow, who's probably the best of them at third string. I mean, it's like a given, and they've got Olave, Gil, Will, Garrett Wilson, Smith, and Jigba uh, Oz weapons, and of course Travion Henderson now is the running back. Uh, I I don't think his first half of the season was nearly as good as his second half of the season. What Walker has done as a tailback, stayed for la, uh, last week, uh, which was just uh, I, I think Michigan State was battling maybe the early onset of the flu bug because I heard twenty players are out this
6: this yeah. Week.
5: Uh, against Penn State so maybe they weren't at full strength what what Walker's done is really unbelievable in this era of college football now you've watched a lot of different eras of college football we rarely see a running back dominate like that and have that many carries uh and that many yards and that many touchdowns so I would probably give it to Walker at this point just because I know C.J. Straub's numbers are crazy but they're always crazy at Ohio State.
2: Well, what you're going to see is that Walker will be MVP of the Big Ten
1: and Stroud will win the Heisman.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you could probably see that for sure, knowing how the Big Ten works.
1: So, Jay Labor we'll let you go with this. Who wins the Ohio State-Michigan game?
5: Yeah, I mean, I always want to go against Ohio State, right? I really do because I feel like they win all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of either team, but – After watching Ohio State play Michigan State last week, they just simply got out firepower. I'm not sure Michigan can score enough points to keep up with them. Um, They're going to have to win the turnover battle. It is a rivalry game. I don't think it'll be as high-scoring as people think. I got Ohio State 30 and Michigan 20. So I think Ohio State wins it and, and again, ends up in the Big Ten Championship with with Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin actually is the team that – is probably will have the best chance to beat Ohio State. I think they could beat them in the championship.
1: Good stuff, Jay. We appreciate your time as always, and uh, glad you're working the game today for BTN.
5: Yeah, me too. See you guys over there, okay? Okay,
1: you bet. That's Jay Lehman with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk as we approach the 10 o'clock hour. If you haven't been by the Pella window store lately, Next week would be a good time to do it. 1001 North Country Fair Drive is where they're located. If you're thinking about a door or window project, think a little bit down the road, if you will, with a lot of uh, uh, product shortages these days. And uh, you might want to be thinking the project out a little bit. And uh, one of those projects might be uh, taking a look at the uh, Pella Lifestyle Series of wood windows and patio doors that provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency. All at an amazing value. Most styles are available with a triple pane glass that helps you uh, improve your energy conservation around your home. The Appella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with the available product packages. They've got several of those. With the Appella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find lifestyle series windows and patio doors to complement your home and budget. Stop by Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, at the Pella window location at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Give them a call. If you want to see uh, anything on Saturday, they would make a Saturday appointment for you, 356-6474. Or check out their website, PellaOfChampagne.com. 10 o'clock, W D W S. Champaign-Urbana and the 93.9 FM will take a break and wrap up hour number one and get you set for hour number two of Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this.
0: It's the second hour of Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the castle heating and cooling text line 217-351-5357 here again are your hosts lauren tate and steve kelly
1: welcome back to the show everybody our number two actually our uh Number two is 45 minutes. We're off a little bit early today for Illinois women's basketball. Then we're back on, of course, with Illinois football coverage this afternoon in the land of Lincoln, that trophy battle between Illinois and Northwestern. In that first hour, we've talked some Major League Baseball. We've talked college football, college basketball. We haven't talked pro football yet, but we could do that right now with David Kaplan from NBC Sports Chicago is with us in Chicago. Good morning, David. How are you?
7: What's up, boys? How are we doing today? Happy Thanksgiving and holiday season to you and your listeners.
1: And same, same to you, and uh, the Bears got a win against a, a not-very-good football team, but a win is a win on Barely. Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> and they made it interesting, didn't they?
7: They made it very interesting. Look, Matt. Uh, here's my take on Matt Nagy. He's a really wonderful guy. If he was your neighbor and you had the flu and you got six inches of snow, he'd be the dude that shows up unannounced and shovels your driveway. He'd be the guy you want to sit in the backyard and have a beer with. He's just not a very good head football coach. He just isn't. He doesn't do a good job at clock management. He does not do a good job with his offense. You know, we could say, well, it was Mitchell Trubisky. It was Mike Glennon. It was this guy since Ryan Pace has been here. And Matt has had Mitch. He has had Chase Daniel. He has had Nick Foles. He has had Andy Dalton. He's had Justin Fields. Okay, we could say it was Mitch. But then what about all these other dudes who have been solid quarterbacks at some point in their life, and the Bears are still 30 to 32 in offensive ranking of efficiency. So at some point, it does blow back on the head coach.
1: What was your take when he was hired? And did, I mean, nope, he had not been a head coach, so I guess we didn't know that he, he might turn out to be not a very good one. And maybe he still will somewhere along the way. But what was your take back when they hired him?
7: I liked it because I thought, Okay, you put all your chips in the Mitchell Trubisky basket, and here's a guy who helped develop Patrick Mahomes. Patrick has spoken eloquently about the role Matt played his rookie year in helping him learn how to read a defense and learning how to be a professional. And Then he had Alex Smith above him. Well, look, Andy Reid is the best quarterback teacher in the history of the league. Everybody I've talked to who's in the league says, if you want to be tutored as a quarterback, that's the best guy there is. There's good ones. He's the best. And so Matt comes in here, and we feel like, oh, the Kansas City pedigree, we're going to run this Kansas City system. Well, big problem. We didn't have the type of players Kansas City has. We don't have a Travis Kelsey, and I think Cole Komet's going to be a good player. Travis Kelsey's going to the Hall of Fame. Tyreek Hill, we don't have a Tyreek Hill. Donald Mooney's a nice player. He's not a number one on a championship team. He's a 2-3. Really good one, but he's not a number one. I've always thought Allen Robinson's incredibly overrated. And that doesn't mean he isn't a good football player. I just don't think he's elite. He doesn't have top-end speed. He's not a top-end athlete. He does have great hands. He's a wonderful guy in the room. He runs his routes properly. He knows the route tree. I just look at other teams, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, when he's healthy, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, those are beasts. Those are prime time. D.K. Metcalf. C.D. Lent. We don't have any of those guys. At some point, it blows back on the GM, and the head coach has got to be able to take his share of accountability. This isn't personal. The numbers say what they are. They're a bad football team offensively.
2: If the Bears had lost to the Lions on Thursday, what would we be talking about today?
7: Um, I Once George went to Detroit, George McCaskey, the owner, And met with the team on Wednesday and said, Matt's not getting fired. That's an incorrect report. Then they could have literally lost 41 to nothing, and he couldn't have gone back on his word. Yeah. The Lions are horrible. But here's the thing Mark Conkle is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. I believe that he probably did get tipped that they're going to blow out Matt on Thursday after the Lion game. It would not have shocked me or anybody if Matt got fired because. When you start to wonder about the development of Justin Fields, if you feel like, yeah, I don't know, man. We don't know if we want you being the guy continuing to develop him. Then maybe they would have definitely fired him. But once Mark said Matt already knew and Matt refuted that, it kind of short-circuited it, and then George ended it.
2: Well, I'm going to switch you over to baseball because there's likely to be a strike this uh, December the 1st. and Yeah, a lockout, a lockout. A lock, I'm sorry, a lockout. And here's the thing. If the are the Cubs going to have a lineup by you know, let's say this thing gets resolved right as the season starts, they they I would think they'd be in a position where they wouldn't have many players.
7: Well, I've heard rumors that Lauren Tate's going to start at third base. <laughs> Can I, <laughs>
2: and then I'm going to run across the field and catch it at first base? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
7: So, I've talked to Jed a number of times. They feel like. They don't want to go out and jump the market because they're not one guy away. Like when they went out and got John Lester, they thought, we're ready to win. Let's go break the bank and let's pay John Lester. And he goes down. Him and Marion Hossa, the Blackhawks, are the two best free agent signings in the history of Chicago sports on the field. So what they do now with the lockout coming, they tried to sign Steven Matz. He went to the Cardinals. Would I have given Steven Matz $44 million over four years? Maybe because I have no one in my rotation. But Steven Matz is not a one. He's not a two. Maybe, maybe he's a three. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Probably more like a four. The Cubs have Wade Miley. They have Kyle Hendricks. And then I don't know who else. Alzali, Steele, Thompson. I don't know if you can count on those guys. They have got to go out and either sign John Gray when he leads Colorado Marcus Stroman, Robbie Ray, they got to get somebody that's at the top of that rotation. So we're going to find out just how serious they are about turning this thing around more quickly.
2: Okay, well, if that if that's the case, uh they're going into the season as as uh, well, just empty-handed. Is that fair? I mean, it, it, you would think that this thing's not going to be settled much before the start of the season, right?
7: Uh I don't think this is going to affect spring training i cannot believe and again i could be completely giving them too much credit i just can't believe that billionaires and millionaires in the time of a global pandemic which yes i know we're on the other side but it's still a factor here we still have to acknowledge what's going on with covid we have to acknowledge there's a lot of americans that are hurting we've got inflation going crazy we got supply issues. you're going to tell me millionaires and billionaires are going to go, I don't care about the fans. If we stay out till June, till we get the best deal, you will kill the sport this time. When we were kids, I had Channel 2, Channel 5, Channel 7, Channel 9, and it was a party when Channel 32 started, Fox. Now you've got 900 channels. Mm -hmm. You've got Hulu and Netflix and this one and that one and social media. There's plenty to occupy people's times, and the sport is already – having people go, you guys are out of touch with the younger generation. So, yeah, yeah. I can't believe they'll be that stupid.
1: Talking to Dave Capital, let's talk about uh, the Bulls a little bit. They won last night, 13-7 and now through the first uh, 20 games. And our friend Io DeSumo is uh, playing well as a rookie. Your thoughts?
7: Yeah, that was a great pick in the second round to get Io. I was on with you guys last year, and then I got an email from one of your listeners. He said, I heard you say Io's like – 20 to 30 in the draft how is he not a lottery pick and i said well what does he do versus who's in the draft not what he does in the big in the draft what does he do that you would say he's one of the top 10 12 13 players in the entire draft he's not what you would call oh my god knockdown shooter he's not a pure point guard he's a good basketball player and a tremendous college player he has dedicated himself to learning his craft. I was told he was in the gym from draft day on. All he did was shoot jump shots. All he, because if he can't make a jump shot, he really has no role. Not an elite floor leader. And I'm telling you, people over there said, this kid is absolutely awesome in the room. He's the first guy to practice. He's the last guy to leave. And all he is is a sponge, is what one person on the Bulls told me. He's a sponge. He just wants to learn everything about how I conduct myself off the court. How do I handle this situation? And they said he's been, um, they would take him If they had a first-round pick and that draft was redone, that's how much they love Io. They'd take him again.
2: Can the Bulls continue to roll, and can they stay in the top, let's say the top four of the division?
7: Uh, You mean of the Eastern Conference? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could stay top five, top six in the East. Could they be top four? No doubt about it. I just have to see them stay healthy. It's really tough. That's a grind. Let's not forget, you said they're 13 and seven. That's 20 games. IO playing for a really good Illinois team, even if they made a run to the final four, that's 35 games and your season's over. He has 62 games left. All that travel. Oh, and then the playoffs start and you've got to, you know, win three, four, four just to get to the nba final so you're looking at a grind for some of these young guys zach levine told a week ago he had or two weeks ago he'd never won four games in a row in his life in college or pro so or excuse me just in the pros so you've got him you got lonzo and i talked to billy donovan two weeks ago i've known billy for 30 plus years he said the big problem we're facing is when you had zach in chicago last year he's the guy So everything goes through him. Vooch, he's down in Orlando. All-star. Everything goes through him. DeMar DeRozan, either in Toronto or San Antonio, everything goes through him. It's not that easy to roll the ball out and go, okay, I need you to defer here. I need you to make that pass. Because they're used to everything facilitating the offense, whether it's pass or score, going through them. It's going to take time. I still think this is a 48 a 50-win team and a top-five seed, probably.
1: College football today. Illinois Northwestern, the battle for the Land of Lincoln Trophy. Who you got?
7: You know, Illinois has played better. I remember when Brett made some comments about our offensive line. I don't know who'd get recruited on the 2-D, blah, blah. And everyone was outraged. And I first heard him, I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? But his team responded to that, which is the mark of good coaching. His team... Said, coach we got you we're better than we've shown and we can play better they're not a great team because they don't have great talent but I think they are well coached and that's a big statement for me because I was not the biggest Brett fan when he was at Wisconsin I just there was something I, and when I saw the hire you know I was on with you guys when they hired Lovey I remember telling Lauren I don't like to hire yep. I don't think it'll work out this hire I actually think will work out because this guy has been a head coach He's tasted success, he's commanded a room, and he's got recruiting chops, which Lovey never had.
1: Who do you have in the big game, the game, Ohio State, Michigan?
7: So my college coach, and I played, was Dick Tressel. He then became the assistant to his brother, Jim, at Ohio State. So I'm an Ohio State guy. And so I hope Ohio State wins 65
1: to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: it might not be 65 to nothing, though. I mean, well, uh, Michigan might put up a fight. I just don't know how you stop that the passing game. I mean, Proud yeah, uh, Kid's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, he's amazing, and he's got super receivers, too. I mean, yeah. you know, they've got guys that, that have already left the team that were great receivers that Illinois could oh. use.
7: Now, see, if the Bears fire Nagy, and I believe they will at the end of the season, I am hiring, here's what I'm doing, my plan. Trace Armstrong, the former Bears defensive end, who's now one of the biggest name agents in the football world. He represents Irvin Meyer and Ryan Day and all these guys. I'm hiring Trace as my new president of football operations. He can make the determination if Ryan Pace stays or goes. Ryan's done some good things and some not-so-good things. And then I'm hiring Ryan Day as the head football coach. Absolutely 100%. Whoa. You're telling me you have Trace Armstrong and whoever at GM and Ryan Day, and that doesn't get people excited with Justin Fields? Stop. That would get people
2: if I'm Ryan Day, I ain't never leaving Columbus. <laughs> Why? Why do you? Well, because deal? I want to win all the games. He, has, he doesn't lose in the Big Ten at all. Isn't that more fun than than getting in the NFL, where every game is going down to the last kick?
7: And what if I called you, you're Ryan Day, and I said, "Hey, Ryan, here's the deal. I'll give you a seven-year deal at seventy million guaranteed. Seventy million, which is what he'd get. He would get ten million a year because he's making. Next year, I just looked his contract up. He makes 7.6 next season. He's at six-something now. I'm guaranteeing you 10 million here. Oh, by the way, Ryan, you don't have to recruit anymore. Nothing. No portal, no street agents, no kissing 18-year-old's backside to get them. Guess what? Hey, football. They,
2: they don't recruit. They just choose. They just they say, select. I'll take you. Point, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know. If I'm day, I ain't leaving Ohio State. That's all I know. <laughs> I'd never leave. No. But yeah. uh, your idea is good. By the way, isn't it interesting? Uh, we got a game between Penn State and uh, Michigan State today, and I know Michigan State's shorthanded because of the flu, But I mean because of COVID, but who's getting the most money there? <laughs> Which coach is making the (laughs) most?
7: And the funny thing is, Mel Tucker was the D.C. for the Bears, and the Bears' defense was horrible. Maybe the fact we didn't have very good players might have factored into it just a little, but the fan base hated him. And so he goes to Alabama. He's an assistant to Nick Saban. A little holy water from Papa Nick. And now he signs a $95 million deal at Michigan State after a stop at Colorado. Isn't that crazy? amazing.
1: Hey, Dave, good stuff. Enjoy uh, your football watching uh, today. Thanks, as always, for taking time with us.
7: Absolutely. I always love coming on with you. Anytime you let me know, I'm in.
1: All right. All right. Thanks, Dave. David Kaplan with us from uh, the Windy City here at uh, 1019. We'll take a break. We've got some more on Ipella Saturday Sports Talk up to 1045. Stay with us. (music) Welcome back to the show. We're headed towards uh, 1023. Alone Tate on the lead guitar from the uh, bumper music coming out of the break. Alan has been uh, hanging on for a bit. Good morning, Alan. What's on your mind this morning?
8: Morning, guys. Uh, let's beat Northwestern uh, today. That'll at least give us another indication of things are turning around. It, and it's about time.
2: Well, it's certainly uh, overdue.
8: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Last night, I didn't get to see the basketball game, but I did listen to it on the radio. All start to finish, the Texas team seems like they played a lot like a Big Ten team. When I say that, is they play uh, they had very few turnovers and they shot their free throws extremely well.
2: Oh, they did, and, and you know what? This, but this is a smaller team. I just, I was thinking about that, Alan. And, and when you get in the Big Ten, you face bigger players that aren't quite as quick, <laughs> and they probably you know, and it's a different game. We couldn't guard them. Well,
8: it just—it just, it just feels like uh, we were lucky to win last night. In my, well, I don't think we were
2: lucky. I, I think they were. I think they'd been lucky to beat us. I mean, I mean, you can't stop Cope and you can't stop Plummer. I mean,
8: well, uh, that's another thing. Uh, we only scored twenty-seven points, other than those two, and that yeah. is a bit of a concern. I realize we are without three people, but somebody else has to step up a little bit.
2: No, well, we're missing three, three starters.
8: Season. I understand that, but I also thought at the start that uh, Hawkins might be the guy that be the number three or number two even.
2: Well, He's kind of
8: backed off a little bit.
2: Anytime you say that, you're talking about offense, and right now I'm thinking defense. If they don't get better defensively, it doesn't matter.
8: Well, you might be very well right about that. And why would the defense be so much different them last year. We only lost Iowa and maybe Georgia, and that's it.
2: Well, Adam Miller started every game.
8: Well, was he that good on defense? Well, he
1: he improved a lot on defense. He did. He was athletic. Yep. Okay. Okay, Alan. Yep, thanks. Appreciate it. Let's squeeze in uh, Mark calling for Florida. How you doing, Mark?
8: I'm doing good.
5: I actually just called to compliment uh, your last guest, David Kaplan. Yep. Uh, I can remember so many years ago talking to him on the phone. I used to subscribe to his recruiting info.
9: Yeah. And
5: I mean he was he would take all the time in the world with you then. I'm I'm a nobody on the phone with him and he would talk talent with me and you know, I went been to a lot of his events. He's just a great guy.
2: He's super and we're very lucky to have him.
5: The three nicest people I ever met in college basketball are David Kaplan. Tubby Smith,
2: and Lou Henson. Yeah, you hit three good ones right there.
8: Yep. <laughs> That's all i got to say.
1: Okay, Thank Mark. You. Thank you. Yep, appreciate you Thank listening you. down in the Sunshine State. Mike Kegley is here from com. How you doing, man?
9: I'm doing great. I found out that i am lost my resistance to the cold. I've lived down in Texas <laughs> for three years. Now 32 degrees seems just catastrophic didn't
1: you consult somebody when you uh, floated the idea of coming to illinois in uh, november
9: yeah uh, <laughs> you know i i got tricked into this and i and <laughs> i'm gonna be back in january so holy cow i i need to think this uh, strategy again. hey
2: it's in the 40s today and it's late november that's pretty good
9: uh, trust me i know i the, the, but i actually wore a coat which normally down here i wouldn't even need a coat until the 20s but i've lost that <laughs> three years in texas it's gone <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you uh you watched some basketball last night. You're going to watch some football today, and then Atlanta guys, what? Are we seven or eight months into that project now.
9: Yeah, we started. We started in January no, on January 12th. Okay. Uh, we're up to 2.5 million uh, views of our website. Um, we have had, uh, of course, as you guys know, uh, WDWS broadcasts our Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, which is on 25 stations. So we have started off well. Um, And it really helps, I think, when you have uh, Josh Whitman, you know, hiring guys like Coach Bielma and Coach Underwood. Makes uh, Illini Sports really fun to cover, and the fans are insatiable for some victories here.
1: We do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Go ahead, Steve, you're on the air with us.
5: Hey, I was just watching this football championship game yesterday, and I was just wondering, how does this Jordan Anderson, he was big, he's 6'3", 230, and piled up a bunch of yards yesterday for Joliet Catholic. Is he that highly rated by Illinois, or was he just playing maybe against lesser talent?
1: Oh, he had a pretty good year. I
2: though. mean, if you're playing the state championship game, I don't know if you would call it lesser talent. Yeah, yeah this, so Griffin's not a bad team, are they?
9: No, no. The, and and Griffin's a year away. You wait till you see him yeah. next year. Yeah. But um, Anderson, this kid is the real deal. I think Illinois has um yet another running back that is going to be uh tough to stop in the Big Ten.
2: How does he compare with McRae, a <sighs> freshman?
9: You know, I I I think they're going to have. Th- uh, thunder and thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know, uh, I really it, it's going to be fun to see. I haven't seen them side by side, but you talk about two big guys who can get. They have some moves. They have speed. Um, it, it could be a lot of fun for Illinois fans, especially as the linemen get bigger and bigger that are in front of them.
2: Before we get off uh, recruits, talk talk about Beatty from Rochester, the receiver. Um, he is. Uh, a multi-talented
9: guy fast play next year. I I think, I think they're going to be able to find a place for him on the, on the field. He has such good leadership skills and he has, you know, you hear like basketball IQ, football IQ. He's, he's got IQ. He's been taught the game. And, um, You know, one of our Atlanta guys, Brad Sturdy, has is a Rochester uh, alum. He's high on him. Yes, super high on him. And and look, this year, and I'm not trying to knock him, but it's a they were almost for Rochester a one man team, Mm -hmm. and people tried to stop him, and it took Sacred Heart Griffin to be able to really do it. it's. It, I think he's going to be a difference maker, and I don't want to put too much, fret, you know, pressure on a on a kid before he's ever stepped on campus. But there's going to be ways to get him the ball. Well, oh, they need receiving. Yep. Yes. Anything
1: else, Steve?
5: Well, I was just wondering because Jordan Anderson. They said Illinois hadn't signed a top ten player in the state of Illinois this year, and I thought for sure Jordan Anderson would have to be one of the top ten high school players in the state, but he's not ranked in the top ten, so. I don't know if he's a late bloomer or
9: what. Yeah, sometimes guys get overlooked, um, you know. And and I, I will tell you that they re rank guys. You know, we we just had Dave Kaplan on talking about what I O where he would be drafted if people saw what he was doing. And I think Jordan Anderson, you know, if you would if you could go back to the start of the season, he'd be right up there in the top five.
2: Top five in the state. I think he's good. Yeah,
9: he, yeah, he is good.
1: Okay. Hey, Steve, thanks. Appreciate it. Let's go to Eric. Good morning, Eric. You're on Sports hey. Talk.
10: Good morning, guys. Um, have, they, have they thought about rescheduling when this game is played? Because every year or every other year, they stick this game on the weekend when all the students are gone, the dorms aren't even open. Yep. So they're never going to get a very big crowd for this game. It just seems like an odd time to keep hammering this game. Hey, you got to face somebody
2: comedy. on this date.
1: Yeah, I don't know when you would... Well, where you'd move it to. They put it on the
10: Friday or even on the Thursday. Or oh. They've done that before, right? Remember they played yeah. Northwestern on Thanksgiving that one year. Yeah,
1: but the students are still gone.
10: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so
1: uh, are a lot so of people. Ask, <laughs> yeah.
9: They're all <laughs> gone to that, grandma's uh, house. I think the TV, I think the TV <laughs> deal is what drives the uh, playing time on this, you know.
1: Well, you saw what happened when yeah. they tried to play it on Thanksgiving Day. That was for the Big Ten championship for Illinois. And there was... Not thirty thousand people there. I okay, Steve, how many are <laughs> predicting today? Today, I don't know. I don't know what to think today. But uh, with the two thirty start, it'll be dark by half It'll be over.
2: It'll be over five figures, right?
1: <laughs> well, you hope so. At least <laughs> well, in ticket so sales, sales we'll not, really...
2: Go
10: ahead. At least we're not playing the same time as Ohio State, Michigan. That would be a little bit of a mistake too. <laughs> I'll be watching that game instead. Um I was going to ask though uh, any thoughts on the, who they're looking at for the quarterback next year because uh, sure it couldn't be anybody on the roster right now.
9: Uh, can can you say uh, transfer portal? <laughs> uh I think right. I think you're going to see that that coach B's got a brand that he can sell because a prospective quarterback whether it's fair or not, they can look at Russell Wilson and say, look what I did with this guy. The other thing is, is they know they're going to get an offensive line and they're going to have a run game that takes pressure off.
2: If they can get somebody here in the spring, that's when you need to have them because uh, I don't think Sitkowski will be back. Therefore, you're offering it. Be a- back
1: in the spring, you mean. Not, ba- not back. Altogether.
2: he'll be back. He won't be back in the spring. He'll be back he, next fall. Yeah,
1: I know. But you said he won't be back. Well, I just wanted to clarify that you're yeah. talking about spring ball, right. not next season. Right.
2: I, I think we need somebody that can spend six weeks with the coaches mm-hmm. on the field, working with the receivers, working with everybody out there. Uh, and and I don't know who it's going to be, but I think it'll be somebody on the portal. I don't. I don't. I hear that they've got a, re, a recruit coming out of the east. But I I don't think he's ready to he'll be ready to play next year. I'm told. Right, right,
9: yeah. No, that's the same. That's the same thing I'm hearing. I think, I think with the uh transfer portal, you're going to get a quarterback. Um, and and I, I just think it's deciding which one fits what coach wants to do next year. Um, well, because there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. Look at Ohio State. They've got four guys, and they're all what like a, red, a sophomore and younger. I mean, somebody is going to leave Ohio State, and it's not because they got beat out. It's just because they were young, and there was a lot of them. So there's, there's going to be players yeah. out there.
10: That's exactly what I was thinking about Ohio State, because Stroud's not going anywhere. He'll be the starter next year. They had a guy from Texas who came up who should be in high school right now as his backup. Actually, he played a little bit last week at the very end of the game, and then they've got guys behind him who are five-star recruits. Yeah, they, Like the top player from the state of Arizona. Yeah, well, they, got so.
9: Ewan, they got Ewan in the game basically because he was complaining that he didn't make the, the travel team for two or three games, and he was upset. And the and coach
2: that, knows he can just up and leave and play. Yes,
9: exactly. So magically all of a sudden he was getting some playing time and blowouts, so <laughs> good for him.
1: <laughs> Anything else, Eric?
10: <laughs> no, that's all, guys. Have a good day.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. We're here for about uh, seven or eight more minutes. Mike Cagley is with us from com. We'll keep the phone line open, but we're off a little bit early for Illinois basketball today. They take on Middle Tennessee State down in uh, Daytona after losing to Dayton down there yesterday. So let me get this straight. You're going to play third base for the Cubs.
2: And I'm going to run across and catch the ball at first base.
1: Yes, and you're going to play quarterback for Illinois.
2: (laughs) Well, it's going to be busy. And
1: you've seen all 115 games in this uh, <laughs> Illinois Northwestern series.
2: <laughs> Almost.
1: Too many of them. Illinois basketball had uh, a speaking of portal transfer types. Had a guy in uh, or has a guy in this weekend. I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but it looks like Dane Danji. Yes. Or Dane Dange. Yeah,
9: that's that's about as that's the approximation that I'm <laughs> using right now. <laughs>
1: We haven't actually ax- asked him to, to clarify that, but he's a uh, tra- in the transfer portal from Baylor. He's a big man. What could you tell us about him, Mike?
9: He is um, a big man who has a lot of skills, um, soft touch. The big issue is, you know, coming off a little bit of an injury and probably needs to – needs Fletch to help maybe – you know get back into shape a little bit. Well, he but he can enroll next month. Yes, yes he can and um that would allow him to get some, you know, practice time this year with the team if he decides to come here. Mm-hmm. Uh which would be fantastic. You know, you talked about the importance of So you of think hands.
2: he's pretty good. I mean, he, there's there's a report he might announce maybe today or tomorrow.
9: Yeah, that's 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 what it, people are thinking. Um but you, you know, it's recruiting, recruiting is fluid. Um but the bottom line is: is this guy has you know he attracted a lot of attention coming out of high school, and I think the coaches see something there. Uh, I have not personally talked to them about this particular guy, but um, you you look at what his potential is, and of course Harry Carey said you know potential is a French word that means you haven't done doo doo yet. <laughs> but um, the bottom line is 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 uh, he is a huge man.
2: Yes, he is. I, I was, mean, I watched him on film yesterday. Man, oh, man, he's big. Well, and you might have saw him last night, too. <laughs> well, I didn't. I, okay. I, I looked for him, but I didn't spot him. Was he Was he down to the... At the end of the bench down there, uh, he, he was down in that that seating. end zone area. Yeah. yeah, the end zone area. Well, I yeah. didn't pick him out. I tried to fi- figure out which one he was over there. And yeah, I, he was there,
9: and, and uh, Jeremy Fears was there as mm, well. I
2: saw Jeremy. Um, and now he's a freshman, right? Or is he? Or is this his brother? Which one is this? You
9: know, I couldn't tell. I think it was. I thought the it was a junior. I thought it was the junior.
2: Isaiah it, is was, the, uh, it was a junior. Yeah, it was a junior, yeah. is the junior. it was the junior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a junior
9: and and, and Jeremiah's
2: junior, right? I mean, he's uh I,
1: Jeremy is junior. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I have got, got
1: Jeremy fears senior is okay. de- their dad. Okay. Jeremy Fields, junior. You played at
2: Bradley, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Junior is a junior in high school. Okay. And Jeremiah <laughs> Is the, the freshman life. now? You're
2: really. Confused. I need. I need a scorecard to keep this. <laughs> no
9: but I. But I will tell you that that uh, Jeremy is incredibly talented, um, and obviously the eighth grader Jeremiah is unbelievable. As he's playing some varsity ball and doing well. Um, it, the the talent from that family is amazing, and it would be fantastic, you know, to see him come to. Illinois as well, particularly because he's one of those guys who has that personality, a little bit like Io, who's outgoing and wants other people there. And that's the type of guy that can, you know, can can help be the Pied Piper as well.
1: Got time to uh, squeeze in one uh, final telephone call. Go ahead, Rick. Good morning. Go ahead.
5: Gentlemen, I wanted to just put out a shout out to my dad, uh, Sam Rebecca. Oh, Sammy! Years ago today, yeah, uh, kicked the winning field goal against Northwestern to put uh, Illinois into the fifty-two Rose Bowl.
2: Right, three to nothing game. He kicked it in the first half. Sam yeah. was a, Sam was a really good friend of mine.
4: Yeah, he
5: he talked about you a lot, and um, you know, even you know when we saw you at the basketball games. But um, uh, Dad's watching down from heaven today. But uh, yeah so um that's one good player that we can talk about for the illinois football team
2: oh. yeah you know do you know that they're having a reunion of the nineteen fifty one undefeated team? you know how many players are go- are coming that is- five
5: uh well the the last time Dad went, there was only seventeen
6: left
2: yeah well, there are more than that left, but there are only five going to show up. Jan schmidt's going to be here he's a he was the captain of that team Roger Wolf will be here there but i'm I'm telling you that it's a thin group, but that's my group <laughs> and and uh you know uh Peter Palmer died this year i mean they they they're just thinning
1: out hey Rick, we're up against the clock. I appreciate hearing from you uh thanks for the call. Mr. Tate, thank you. We'll, Laura will be back on our pregame coverage at 12.30, 2.30 kick. Mike Kegley, keep up the good work in Atlanta, guys. Thank you, sir. And uh, football is coming up. All kinds of stuff going on this weekend. A trophy uh, game against uh, Northwestern at 2.35 is the kick. Stay tuned. Fighting Illini women's basketball is coming up next here on Newstalk 1400, DWS, and 93.9 FM. Stay with that. Mike Kuhn on the call Of that. This is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. Thanks to Ed Bond. And we'll talk to you again later in the day, right here.